0: I'm preaching a series entitled Don't Be Afraid, and uh, this is sermon number five, uh, and what I'm going to talk about today is one of the greatest fears that most Americans have and face, and it has to do with money. Oh me, oh me, oh my, but you know, it's true. One of our greatest fears has to do with finances, and it doesn't matter if you don't have any money or if you have a whole lot of money. We fear. A lot of you are young and you're just getting started and uh, you don't know how you're going to make it from one paycheck to the next. A lot of you are raising little kids and, and you don't know if there's going to be enough money to, to go around. Some of you are older and you have a lot of money, but yet you realize you don't know if there's going to be enough for retirement. And you worry about it. Our greatest fear is why some of us are about to have a wedding. And we don't know how we're going to pay for it. Again, it doesn't matter how much money you make, everybody has financial fears. And so today we're going to look at your finances and God's provision. One of of the most amazing, incredible, and all-encompassing promises that is found in the Bible is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. This is God's guarantee regarding your finances. And what does Paul say? And my God shall supply or shall meet all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That is an amazing verse that my God is going to supply all of my needs through His riches in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I could spend all day just talking about this verse, uh, but, but suffice it to say, there is a huge difference between needs and wants. Okay? And what God has promised is that He is going to meet all of our needs. Now, I know, and I think you know too, that sometimes He also gives us those wants, doesn't He? And it's just because He's a great God and a loving Heavenly Father. But it says that God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Now, one other thing I want you to note about this verse. This is a promise only for Christians. This is not a promise for everybody. God has not promised to meet everybody's needs. God has not promised to meet the needs of people who reject His Son, Jesus Christ. This is only for believers, for those who are in Christ Jesus. But what a great promise it is. He says, if you're one of my kids, if you are in my family, then I promise to meet all of your needs. Isn't that a great promise? But it raises the question, how come some of us still have financial needs? Hmm? How come I know people who are believers who have great financial needs? Did God fail? Is God a liar? Absolutely not. You need to remember with every promise that is found in the Bible, there is also a premise. There are conditions there are requirements. There are things when God says, here's what I'm going to do. This is my part. This is what I'm going to do for you, but you have a part in this as well. If you do your part, then I'm going to do my part. God has laid out financial principles in His Word. There are so many financial principles found in the Word of God, aren't there, Brother Galen? And And if you come to Dave Ramsey's Financial Institute, you will learn all of these principles. There there are so many principles, more than I can go into this morning. Principles on saving, principles on spending, principles on giving, principles on investing, principles on using the resources that God has given to us. They're all through the Bible. This morning I'm going to look at some of the conditions that God has given to us as He promises to meet our financial needs. God says, if you meet these conditions, then I guarantee I am going to meet all of your financial needs. Are you ready? Here we go. God has promised to meet all my financial needs if, number one, I ask Him. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? But God is waiting for you to ask Him. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. That is pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, that's just as clear as it can be. God is waiting for you to ask. I I read this little quote, man, it's, it's so good. God never shuts his storehouse until you shut your mouth. The storehouse is open. God is willing to give if you ask. He wants to help you. But here's the problem. We just don't ask. For example... Last time you needed something, did you ask God for it or did you just go out and charge it? Uh oh. I'm I'm already making people mad, aren't I? Okay, I make people mad almost every week, and I don't mean to. I mean it's just the it's just, I know it's just the way it is. People people really get ticked off when the preacher talks about money. And here's here's the funny thing about it. I can talk about money one Sunday a year, and people will complain. That's all that preacher ever talks about. It is absolutely crazy. But Today's message is to help you, all right? Because we have this fear of finances. God says, I'm going to supply your need. All you have to do is ask for it. I know that's just the way we are. Instead of praying about it, we just go out and charge it. We just go out and buy it. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. What a great promise. Ask, seek. Do you see those three words? Take the first letter of all three words. What does it spell? Ask. God is saying, hey, do you get the point? That's what I want you to do. Just ask. Over 20 times in the New Testament, God said, ask me. Just ask me. One of the reasons why you never see miracles in your life is you never ask for them. God is, you know, and and here, here it is. You're, you're thinking, man, he sure is sounding like one of those health and wealth preachers on TV. Y'all know me better than that. And besides that, my hair, I can't slick my hair back, so I can't, you know? Question is, would you like to see God perform more miracles in your life and bless you in an incredible way? Would you? All you got to do is ask him. Here's a law. Write this law down. Before you pay for it, Pray for it. Before you go out and pay for it, why don't you pray about it and ask God for it. Stop and just, just ask God. Give God a chance to give it to you before you go out and charge it. I know some Christians who depend more on their charge cards than they do on Jesus Christ. Oh boy, that, okay, that's more of you. Just, I'm shaking I'm the list. God said, ask me. Before you pay for it, stop and pray for it. Why does God want me to ask? Well, I'll tell you why. He is a loving, heavenly Father. Loving fathers bestow gifts to their children. I, I love to give gifts to my kids. I love to provide for my, not just their needs. I like to give them what they want. My, my son, and I know he's sitting here and he's going to get mad at me. For this. My son has this thing about Cool socks. I mean, you know, I mean, I know socks make you cooler. I know that. I've I've learned that. They do. Socks make you cool. And so my son loves these socks. He's got four drawers full of socks. They cost like $15 a piece. And, And his mama says, no more socks. No more socks. And so he doesn't ask her for them. He asked me for them. I said, okay, go ahead. Buy one more pair, you know because I'm thinking about stealing some of them from me, sort of, because I need, I need to be a whole lot cooler than I am. But here, I just, I love my kids, and I can't hardly say no to them. I love to give them things. I love my wife. And I just, I just love to give her stuff. Why? Because I'm crazy in love. Come on. I, I mean, don't, guys, come on. Don't, you just, Sometimes we just do crazy things because we we love people and and we give. You know what? God loves us. God loves to give to us. You know, if you pray as much about your finances as you worry about them, you would have a whole lot less to worry about. God says, ask. I'm just waiting for you to ask me. Now, I'm about to go to point number two, but I... I'll just go ahead and tell you what I told people in first service. I had another point, number two, but my message was too long, so I cut it out. But my second point would have been, God promises to meet all of my needs if I learn to be content. But I should have kept that one in there, shouldn't I? Because that's one of our biggest problems. We aren't content. That's why we are in the financial messes that we're in, because we never learn contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So, but I cut that point out. So, But anyway, there, there it was. Number two, God promises to meet all my needs if I practice giving in faith. Now you need to listen to Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, here is a great principle found in the Word of God. It is the principle of sowing and reaping. And this principle really applies to every area and aspect of our lives. Okay, If I sow criticism, I am going to reap criticism. If I sow kindness, I'm going to reap kindness. If I sow generosity, then it's going to come back to me and I'm going to reap generosity. It's it's a crazy thing, but it really is true and it works. It's kind of like giving blood. You don't think you can give up your blood, but you know what? If you go and give blood away and donate blood, it just reproduces itself inside of you. Isn't that amazing? So here's the point. Whatever you need more of, you need to give that away. Every farmer knows this principle. A farmer's got a, a four sacks of seed in his barn, and he looks out on his barren field. There's no crop. He doesn't start griping, Oh, there's no crop. I wish there was a crop. You know what he does? He goes out and he takes those four bags of seed and he starts planting. Here's my little TV evangelist quote right here. Get ready to write it down. When you have a need, plant a seed. It's a true principle. What does the farmer do? He goes out, he plants the seed, it reproduces itself, and he gets more than what he started with. You, You tell me. Does four sacks of seed produce only four sacks of seed? No. They multiply a hundredfold. No farmer in his right mind would ever say, you know what, I can't afford to plant this seed, to sow this seed. This is all the seed I got, so I'm going to keep these four bags of seed and just set on them. That's crazy talk, man. No, he's going to go and he's going to plant it. He knows the only way he's going to get anything out of those seeds is by planting them. If he holds on to them, that's all he's got. But when he starts sowing them, planting them, giving them away, they begin to multiply. And did you know this is a true principle for every aspect of your life, including your money? Now, I understand it really seems illogical that when I have a need, what I need to do is start giving away. That Really, when you process that mentally, humanly speaking, it's illogical. But that's why it requires faith. Why did God set it up this way? Well, simply because God's a giver. God is a giver. He is the most generous giver in the entire universe. And God wants you to learn to be just like him. His number one characteristic is that he is a giver. How do I know that? The most famous verse in the Bible tells me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God wants you to learn to be a giver. Now listen to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first fruit are the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns to overflow. Now that's a mighty promise right there. And what he's talking about is the principle of tithing. It's the principle that says I give God back the first 10% of everything I make. So if I earn $100, the first $10 goes back to God. If I earn $1,000, the first $100 goes back to God. And understand this, and and really I'm I'm touching you where you get irritated. I know that. But please understand, tithing is an act of worship. I'm not giving my money to somebody else or some institution. I'm giving that money to God. I'm worshiping God with my tithe. It's an act of worship that says this, God, I understand that all of this stuff that I have came from you in the first place, and if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have any of it. And God is saying back to me, put me first in your life. You honor me with the first fruits of your life, and you just sit back and watch what I'm going to do. I am going to bless you indeed. Your barns will overflow. I I learned this principle when I was a kid. My parents taught me this this principle when I was a little bitty boy. The first 10% of everything you make goes back to the Lord. I guess I was probably three years old when they sent me off to the fields to work. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. No, we, we were, my sister and I were both under the age of actually having a, being able to have a job when we got our first job. It was a paper route, and I've told you about that, out in, out in Midland, Texas, it was a country route. I mean, it was like a, it was a 97-mile route, not really, it was like 15 miles that we had to go into, and my parents wouldn't drive us, so we had to ride our bicycles for 15 miles every day. Going paper. on That's not exactly the truth either. They did drive us around. The point I'm making, it was it was a tough job for a little 10-year-old boy. You know what? But you know, my parents stopped me from the very beginning. They said, it, William, we're gonna sit you down and teach you this principle. The first 10% of everything you make goes back to the Lord. And I wondered as a kid, why? 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 Why do you do that? Is it because God needs it? The answer is no. God doesn't need it. It's because He wants what that 10% represents. And that's my heart. My heart. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. If you say, Jesus, you're number one in my life. But if he's not number one in your time and in your finances, you know what? He's not number one. You're just kidding yourself. You say, well, how how do I know if he's number one? Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. (laughs) I love this verse in Luke chapter 6. It says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your lap. Give, man, give and it will be given to you. You give the first part of your income to the Lord and you just watch how God blesses you. Because I don't understand how this works, but it works. Some, some of you are thinking, I, I'm, I'm so worried about my finances. I'm so worried that I'm not going to have enough to live on. Well, make sure you tithe first. You give God the first 10%, and He's going to bless it. It's like when I give God the first part of my day in a daily quiet time with the Lord. He makes the rest of the day expand so that I can get more done. When I give the first part of my income to the Lord, somehow, and I don't understand this, I can't, I've never been able to figure it out. But when I give God that first 10%, somehow, some way, He's able to take the other 90% and expand it so that everything gets paid. It's amazing. Some of you think you can't afford to tithe, but I honestly say, as your pastor who loves you, you can't afford not to tithe. That is, if you really want God's blessings in your life. God has promised to meet my financial needs. Number three, if I maintain my integrity. God, did you know God doesn't bless dishonesty? Proverbs 16, 11, The Lord demands fairness in every business deal. So if you want God's blessing on your finances, you've got to be honest. Or let me put it in a different way so you actually get it. You can't be ripping people off. Okay? Proverbs 19:1. Better to be poor and honest than to be rich and dishonest. Why? Because Jesus said, What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know what? Sometimes I think the pressure is on us to get ahead. Or maybe just the pressure to keep up. It it is so overwhelming that that we, even as believers, are often tempted to compromise our ethics. And and maybe we we do it with just a little bit of, of shading of the truth in order to make a buck. Maybe we overvalue something. Or maybe we just don't tell somebody what's exactly wrong with whatever it is we're trying to sell them. Or maybe we just... Taking deduction on our taxes that's not really there. Why? Because the draw to make a buck is so intense in our lives that sometimes we forget who we are. Let me tell you, God doesn't bless dishonesty. God has said that He will meet our needs if, number one, we ask for His help, number two, we give in faith, and number three, if we maintain Christian integrity. And that decision to do the right thing and to trust God is not a once and for all decision. It is a day-by-day decision, a moment-by-moment decision. Hmm. Number four, God has promised to meet my financial needs, and here's the big one, if I trust Him with my whole life, with everything I have. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are some of my favorite in the Bible. It's it's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6, he talks about worry. And, And really, that's what being afraid is all about, worrying about things. But notice what Jesus said in verse 33. He said, Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need. And He will give it to you if you give Him first place in your life And if you live like he wants you to live. When I was a kid growing up in Midland, Texas, anytime I had a need, you know what I did? I went to my dad—really, it was my mom, but my dad—and say, "Here's what I need. I need money for this, or I need this. Dad, I need money for this. I need that." You know what? Not once in my entire lifetime of growing up did I ever wonder or worry about where that money was going to come from or where he was going to find the money. You know why? That was his job. I mean, he's the father. I'm the kid. Kids spend, fathers make. Kind of like this unwritten rule we have, right? I'm being a little facetious, but right... I don't, some of us act like we're spiritual orphans. You forget that you've got a heavenly father that loves you. And this verse says, Your heavenly father already knows what you need. God knows what you need, God knows what your needs are. He's just waiting for you to ask Him, He will provide this passage goes on to talk about a lot of other things and and right here in the sermon on the mount he he talks about God taking care of the the birds the sparrows does God take care of little birds yes he does they don't worry let me let me tell you this nothing in all of creation worries except human beings little birds don't worry The only thing in all creation that worries and has anxiety attacks are us. Everything else trusts the Heavenly Father, the Creator, to care for their needs. The Bible says if God is going to take care of these birds, don't you think He's going to take care of you? His most precious creation. Really, when it comes down to it, listen to me, guys. This is the issue. This is the issue. This is the bottom line. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? I I read a little statement this past week. You may argue with it until you think about it. The statement says, worry is really just a form of atheism. Every time you worry, you're acting like an atheist. You don't believe God. You're saying, it all depends on me. If it's to be, it's up to me. That's a bunch of ho- That's not found in the Bible, guys. Your Heavenly Father has a big hand in all this stuff. And worry, worry is just a warning light that you're doubting the love of God. And guess what? We always get into trouble when we begin to doubt the love of God. I must trust Him with my life. It, it says you've got to give Him first place, you've got to make Him number one. Why? Because as long as I love anything more than God, that thing or that person or that item will become a source of anxiety and worry for me. If you allow anything besides God to take first place in your life, that item will become a source of worry. Why? You worry because you're afraid you're going to lose it. First Timothy chapter 6, Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. So here's the deal. No matter how much money you make or how much money you have saved up, guess what? Just like that, you can lose every bit of it. Wealth is so uncertain these days. The government could take it away, man. You, you You could get involved in a lawsuit for doing nothing. Long-term illness could sap your in, your income, your savings, hospital bills, disasters, weddings. He't you'd think I'd get over it, wouldn't you? But eh, just enjoy it, right? That's what I, the advice is: just enjoy it. There, there are so many ways that we can be wiped out in a matter of months no matter how much you've got so you you must always remind yourself my security is not in my bank account no matter how much I've got in it my security is not in my bank account my security is in the Lord don't hope in wealth hope in the Lord because here's what I know if God turns off one faucet he'll turn on another faucet If God closes one door, He has the ability to open another door. I've just got to keep trusting Him. I've got to keep seeking Him. Psalms 111 verse 5. He gives food to those who trust Him. He never forgets His promises. The book of Romans tells us that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, to pay for your salvation, to pay your debt that you couldn't pay. Jesus paid it for us. And you tell me, if God loves you enough to send His Son to die for you, don't you think God loves you enough to take care of the needs that you have in your life? Don't you realize that any other problem that you have in life is minor by comparison? That God solves the biggest problem we have. And that's a sin problem. The, the bottom line is really this. Am I going to believe in God? That God will do what God says he will do? That he will provide for me. Am I going to believe him enough to do what he tells me to do? As evidence of that faith. Our theme verse in this series is Psalms 34:4. It says, I sought the Lord and He heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. You see, the answer to your fears is not a program. It's not a process. It's not an institution. The answer to all of your fears is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. You need to hope in the Lord. When you're afraid in any area... It's just that you have forgotten what God is like and who God is and what God has promised to do for you. In this case, in the area of finances, you need to realize that God has already made the promise, I am going to supply all of your needs. If you are in my family and if you are one of my kids, I am going to take care of your needs. But here's what you must do. And I'll start right here at the end. You must put Jesus Christ number one in your life. You must honor Him as Lord and God and King. And then just live by the plan He has provided. It requires faith. It requires that you become a giver. And not just a stingy hoarder. But that you give like God because that's what God is. The answer to your fears is Jesus. So if you are serious about being set free from financial fears, it's your choice. But you must choose to do what God has clearly told you to do. Follow the plan He's laid out for you. He said, I will do this. Here is the promise. But you have to obey the premise. And I want want to challenge you today to solidify your commitment to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, come today. Put Him on the throne of your heart. Ask Him for forgiveness and He will forgive you. If you're a Christian and you're away from God, I challenge you to to come back to God today. He's that loving Heavenly Father who's waiting for your return. Just come to Him. And then if you're here and and, and you're trying to serve the Lord as best you can, but you know what? Every week you're falling short. Every week you worry and you have this fear about not having enough, you're, you're fearful for your finances, you just come and follow the plan God has laid out for you, and you can leave that fear behind. I know there are others here today, and they've just got burdens and requests, and, and, and uh, you just need a touch from God. That's why we have what we're about to have. Just to give you a chance to come to the altar and pray to a God who loves you and cares for you. So do that today. Give Him give him your all. I, I told the first service people, I woke up in the middle of the night last night with this verse just, just hanging in my head. It was clinging to my brain. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You, you, you really step back today and think about it. The stuff that we grind out every day for, get up early, work all day, put before our family and even before our faith, is it really worth it? I, I know you got to work. I know you, you've got to make money. I understand that. But you know what? I think we have a love affair with money when we need to have a love affair with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless my friends today. For those who need to come and call upon the name of Jesus, I pray that they would have the freedom to do that. Lord, for others who just need to come and, and get close to you, and feel Your warm embrace, I pray that they would come. Lord, for those who are grieving and hurting, and for those who have a need in their life, may they sense the freedom in this place to come and call upon the name of Jesus. And to receive that peace that passes all understanding. Have Your way in our lives, and in this part of the service, But we ask it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? If you need to come and pray about anything,